0: Bethany Covenant Church sermon podcast we are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9: 30 a.m and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org can you imagine a world where everyone cares about each other and they took the time to listen and to understand one another can you imagine a world If everyone tried to lessen the problems and the troubles and the sadness of one another, can you imagine such a world? All too sadly, we continually witness violence playing out before our eyes and all too sadly in many places of employment, as well as living places. It is unsafe. It is a place of hostility, hatred, even abuse. All too sadly, When someone disagrees with another and our way of thinking or something we said or even something we did, or maybe it's our values, the first response is that of attack, physically or verbally, and we see this being played out for us daily on the screen in our living room. All too sadly, this behavior has become so much the norm that it is hard to imagine, a world, anything otherwise, where people care for one another and they try to lessen the problems and the troubles and the sadness of each other. Yet, as disciples of Christ, followers of God, this is exactly what we are called to do. In Zechariah chapter 7, beginning in verse 9, we read that this is what the Lord Almighty says Administer justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. And in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, Jesus gave us this new commandment to love one another as I have loved you so that you may love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Over these past several weeks, we have been exploring spiritual gifts, gifts that God has given to us, to us church. Today, we look at the gift of mercy, the gift of compassion. Scripture tells us that we have many different gifts, and according to the grace given to each one of us, if your gift is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The Greek word is eleo, to show mercy or to have compassion. But let's look a little bit deeper into what that definition of compassion means. In the New Oxford American Dictionary, it it defines compassion as a sympathetic pity or concern for the sufferings and the misfortunes of others. In Latin, compatai means to suffer with. Thus, someone else's heartbreak becomes our heartbreak. Another's suffering becomes our suffering. Each of these definitions focuses on the awareness of another's suffering. After all, some don't even see the sufferings of another. Each of these definitions also focuses on the feelings, on the emotions. Our identifying with another and feeling the struggle the pain of another. But when we look at the Webster Dictionary, it adds a second very important aspect or component. The awareness of feelings and the awareness of emotions, it's still there. It continues to talk about the sympathetic consciousness of others' distress. But the Webster Dictionary goes on to add this, together with a desire to alleviate it. So it is compassion, the sympathy, the conscious awareness, together with a desire to alleviate it. Webster explains and and expands on that idea that compassion is not limited to awareness, not limited to feelings, but that compassion includes action. Compassion must begin with the eyes, and then it adds the heart and it adds the feelings. It begins by recognizing the suffering of others with kindness and sympathy. But then it goes something deeper, something much more profound in its meaning, because then it takes up action the action to take and to help. For to be compassionate is not just a feeling or an emotion. It embodies a tangible expression of that love for those who are suffering. Two parts, two components, feelings and action. When we look at scripture, we don't find a definition, at least not a, di- a dictionary definition of compassion or mercy or compassionate Instead, what we see in the scripture are illustrations showing us, demonstrating what is compassion. What does compassion look like in action and in real life? In Proverbs, it says this, Proverbs 31. Speak, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all are destitute, are destitute. Speak up and judge and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy and in John first John, excuse me, the first John chapter three, beginning in verse eighteen, dear little children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. There are countless examples of compassion being played out for us in scripture. Today, we're going to take a look at just a couple, because after all, a picture is worth a thousand words. The passages for each are going to be provided for you, and perhaps you will identify with one passage more than another, and that's okay. I encourage you this week to spend time with one or two or three or all of them. Read them. Go, they will go more in-depth than what we can today, and I challenge you, encourage you to do the same. What does the passage say to you about being compassionate? The first one we look at is the story about the Good Samaritan found in the 10th Gospel, 10th chapter of Luke. It tells of a man who was robbed, beaten, and left for dead along the side of a road, while numerous other people individuals walked by him. They were from all walks of life, but they kept on walking. If they felt anything, they didn't say it. They didn't do it. If they, sh- they showed no compassion or mercy for this man until the most unlikely of individuals came along, a Samaritan. Not only did he feel compassion for the wounded man, he acted on it. He sacrificed time and money for the care of this stranger. The Samaritan alone was the compassionate man. A second story, and illustration. The story of the prodigal son also found in Luke, this time in chapter 15. Here, a father has two sons, and he has a very prosperous farm or ranch. Now, the younger son wanted to explore the world, to get out and to see what was out there, to experience life beyond the confines of his hometown. So the younger son goes to the father, demands that he give him his inheritance, give him the money so that I can go and have an adventure. Fast forward, things don't go quite the way that this young man thought they were going to. He is starving. He is homeless. He is penniless. He is humiliated. The young man crawls back home and hopes hopes to be hired as the lowest of servants on his father's farm. The father is filled with compassion, not just because he sees the son that is far off, the wayward son, but the father has been waiting for him the whole time. The compassionate father opens up his arms, welcomes his son home, and throws him a party. Our third story and illustration is about Joseph and his brothers. This one is in the the Old Testament. It begins in Genesis 37, and it goes until 45. It's a little bit longer. There are several different acts to this story, of course. You may remember the musical about Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, the very same Joseph. That is our Joseph of the story. Now, Here is a fast flyover. Joseph was the baby of the family. He was the 11th son of Jacob, and he was the favorite. The story is filled with intrigue and drama and jealousy, and oh, is there dysfunction in this family? You can't make this kind of stuff up. We won't go into it all here today, but I do encourage you, read those chapters. Take some time and do it. Read the whole story about Joseph. It's only about 10 pages in your Bible. It's worth the reading and it's not going to take you that long. Now, back to the overview. Joseph is now 17. His brothers have had it up to here with that little kid. They are fed up with him. They throw, pick him up, throw him down a well and leave him to die. Fast forward a little bit more. And here's a spoiler alert. Joseph is rescued. He is sold into slavery. He ends up in Pharaoh's palace. He rises to a position of power. Fast forward one more time. Now, this time, there is now a famine back in his homeland. And now his brothers are starving. And they are forced to come to Egypt to ask, well, really to beg for food. And guess who comes back into their life? Yep, Joseph. They thought he was long gone. And here he is. He shows up. Now, Joseph could have been filled with anger and revenge, wanting to demonstrate and to get back at his brothers for what they had done to him. And who would blame him? But Joseph rose above it. He rose above holding that grudge and seeking out revenge. Joseph puts on that cloak of the compassionate one. Now, be sure to read all of Genesis 45. It is amazing and it is rich as you get to know Joseph. The fourth one, our fourth illustration today. And this is the story about Pharaoh's daughter. It is also found in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 2. Tyler read this one for us earlier today. And as we look at this story, notice how clearly the two parts of compassion, the feelings and the actions are intertwined and played out together. The princess comes down to the water's edge to bathe, and she sees a basket. She notices it. And then she opens it, and she sees the baby. Now he's crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is the feeling piece, the emotion. Seeing that little child alone, frightened, and probably hungry, touched her very heart. This whole story could have ended right there. And in all rights, it probably should have because of the political climate and the situation that was going bo- going on in Egypt. After all, look at the reason that the baby was in the basket to begin with, drifting down that river all by itself. For the answer, we have to go back to the first chapter of Exodus. The Israelites are slaves, yet they are still having babies and multiplying in huge numbers, much to the frustration and the dread of the Egyptians. So Pharaoh gives an order that every single Hebrew baby boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile. And when Pharaoh makes a decree, it is binding. No exceptions at all. So by rescuing the child, the princess is violating Pharaoh's orders and facing severe punishment herself, possibly even death. Being compassionate means to suffer with. It is grounded in emotion and feeling, as each one of our four stories have illustrated for us today. Being compassionate does mean to empathize, to feel with someone who is suffering. The man robbed, beaten, and left for dead at the side of the road. The young prodigal son, destitute and humiliated. The brothers sent to Egypt to beg for food. The infant boy, alone, crying and adrift in the basket. But being compassionate doesn't stop. It doesn't stop there with, or stay just with that emotion and, oh, what a feeling I have about this. But there's so much more, as, again, each of the four stories illustrates. When someone is compassionate, they get involved. Even when others keep their distance from those who are suffering, being compassionate means that we are prompted to act on their behalf. The Samaritan got involved with a stranger. He bandaged him up, he picked him up, he took him to the inn, but there's more. He paid out so the man could be cared for and recover. The father doesn't just sit there waiting for his son to come back. He runs to his son, not only to welcome him home and throw his arms around him, but he throws him a big party. And Joseph... He welcomes his brothers. He forgives them. He provides them with a place to live and to raise their families during the rest of the famine and the drought. He rescues them and gets involved. And our princess. She rescued the child. But by doing so, she demonstrated great strength and courage. She put not only herself on the line. But she put her handmaidens also in great jeopardy because they were violating the pharaoh's rule. Now, author Frederick Buechner describes what it means to have compassion in this way. Compassion is sometimes the fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside someone else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. So to be compassionate means to empathize. It means to feel with someone who is suffering and to feel compelled to reduce the suffering. The spirit of the word "compassion" the, the, is synonymous with doing, with action. It is this component of action which separates out compassion from just empathy or sympathy or pity or concern, or any other cinema, cinema yeah, I can't say cinnamon synonym that, that we have for compassion. As demonstrated by each of these stories, being compassionate begins with the heart. Then it moves to the hands and it moves to the feet and moves into action. We also see that when one is being compassionate, they are not concerned about the material or the physical things. They are concerned with the human being, with the spirit and the soul. In each of these four passages, being compassionate does involve sacrifice. The Samaritan, it was the sacrifice of time and energy to move that man, that injured man, to the inn. It was the sacrifice also of paying out money to the innkeeper so that the stranger could recover. For the father, the sacrifice was energy and worry all the while that his son was gone. Then he also sacrificed his pride. He put that aside as he ran to his son and embraced him. Because after all, fathers of that time frame, they just didn't do that. Especially after what his son had done to him. The father also made the sacrifice financially to pay for the cost of the party and the celebration. And for Joseph, his sacrifice was risking the disapproval again of the pharaoh, taking advantage of his position and maybe being kicked out or punished or worse. And there was also the cost, the sacrifice for the land and the food for his brothers and their families. After all, there was that was a very big, large, extended family. And for the princess, again, the sacrifice was the potential wrath of disapproving and disobeying her father, the pharaoh. The potential of whatever punishment that the pharaoh might decide to hand out The sacrifice also included, again, it it was a financial one, of raising Moses into adulthood. And, scripture says, raising him as her own son. Talk about heart and talk about heartache. Being compassionate starts with caring about the feelings of others and putting ourselves in their shoes. What would it feel like to be beaten, in pain, unable to get help for yourself, all alone? What would it feel like to be hungry, really hungry, starving, not knowing where or if or when you might eat again? What does it feel like to be homeless? What does it feel like to think that nobody Nobody cares. Compassionate. Being compassionate goes beyond just thinking about what it is like to be inside their shoes. Sometimes the action and the action of being compassionate is something that is very, very small. To listen. To try to understand their feelings. To be a friend. To give a smile. To open up a door or even just to say hi. Sometimes it might just be giving a hug. Well, maybe we can't do that during COVID. Yet, listen to this story that a friend told me just recently. They encountered a young man, lost, alone, obviously homeless, afraid. And he was in a very serious medical condition. He shared his story of rejection, being estranged from his family, of having nobody, nobody to turn to. And then he asked my friend, would you hug me? Sometimes the action of being compassionate can be something very small, such as a hug. Sometimes it takes the courage to step outside of ourselves to identify with those who are hurting, even when nobody else does. Sometimes compassionate might be and might include, might be including others in our circle of friends or standing up for somebody that is being bullied. And being bullied isn't just on the playground. Sometimes being compassionate might be getting help for someone or helping them with a problem or being a friend to somebody who is lonely. We continue to see examples of people stepping up to be compassionate here at Bethany. As they donate food to the food pantry and they work on the food, uh, work to organize food drives, compassion in action helping to alleviate the suffering and the hunger of others. We see people standing up and rising up to be compassionate as they are making and taking meals to others, as they are caring for those who have lost jobs, as they are reaching out to those that have lost loved ones, as they are reaching out to those who perhaps have lost hope that we will ever get back to normal again. When we take time to listen, to understand someone else, to care for them, amazing things can begin to happen. People get along better. We bring people together. We connect us with them and them with us. We connect one another. Giving something of ourselves to help another person. Being compassionate not only helps the others to feel good, but it is amazing how it helps us feel good, too. I began the sermon by asking you to imagine the world if everyone cared for one another. And that everyone could take the time to listen and understand one another. And to try to lessen the problems and the troubles and the sadness of one another. But imagining that is just the very first step. It's one thing to see something that needs to be done. It's one thing even to say that I do care. Remember in the Good Samaritan illustration and story, how many people saw the man that was beaten on the side of the road, and then they walked on by, even stepping to the other side of the road. They saw him, but they did nothing. Only one person, one person stopped to help, but that's all it took. The challenge for us, the challenge that is before us today is to follow Christ's example, to be compassionate with one another, and those that are around us. Yes, the poor, the lonely, the oppressed. Yes, the people that just need help. Individuals who need to be seen or heard or valued, even if and when their views are different than our own. Our challenge is to be compassionate with one another. When we are compassionate, we are part of God's plan to make the world a better place. And so, our challenge, my friends, today, tomorrow, and each day, is to think about how can you start caring for others? How can I start caring for others? How can I make somebody feel better today? How can I be a friend to another? Scriptures tell us that each of us should use the gifts that God has given to us to serve one another. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God has given us the gift of compassion. For some, it comes more easily than others. Some, it needs to be cultivated. God gave us the gifts so that we might use them, not to hoard them, not to hold on to them, but to use them. Then, watch, just watch how compassion in action changes your life, my life, and the life of others around us. Pray with me. Our gracious God, on the one hand, it should be so easy to love others, to do the kind thing to help one another. And yet it is so hard at times to be compassionate with others, especially when they know how to push our buttons and challenge us. Yet you have given us these examples of being compassionate, even when betrayed, even when someone turns their back on us. Examples of being compassionate, even with our enemies. And God, when we look at you, we see, we see the ultimate of being compassionate in action. For God, you so loved the world that you gave your son to us. You saw that we needed help. You cared and you loved us so much that you gave us your son. You acted to save us. Thank you. Thank you, loving and compassionate God. Help us this day to develop the gift of being compassionate and to make a difference. We pray in your name. Amen.